Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Anthony E. Shaw, author of the new book, A Gathering of Broken Mirrors. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your book, A Gathering of Broken Mirrors, how would you describe the book? The book is uh, 24 short stories uh, set in New York City over different time periods within the last 60 years. There are different characters, different storytellers in each of the 24 stories, and they are all telling stories from their own experiences. And incidentally, each story is set in a in a distinct part of New York City as well. And each story, at least for me, revolves around a decision of how do I survive distinguishing right from wrong, good from ill, understanding that we are all imperfect human beings. That sounds great. Well, I know we can't talk about all 24 of the stories, but I wondered if you could um, select one or two and just talk to us about the original idea or impetus that led you to write that particular story. I'd be happy to. Uh, In the introduction to the book, I do make the statement that these stories are not about me, and I am not the characters narrating the stories. But all these stories are within me. I'm not sure if that really is convincing to some people, but the stories are, are um, bits of bits and pieces of life. And certainly uh, some of them are bits and pieces of my own life, but they're not necessarily my life. In fact, they're not my life. I, I tell people who ask me, why did the character do this? Or why did the character do that? Uh, my answer is I can no more tell you why my characters do what they do, then I can explain to you the the actions and lives of my two grown children, 125 and 127. (laughs) Yes, I was there at the beginning, and I did help them get along, but their lives are now their own, and so the lives of the characters in these stories are their own. The the first story is about uh, uh, a a man uh, speaking of his uncle, and... uh, Yes, some of that does come out of my old life. So uh, this man is Italian-American. His uncle is Italian-American. And the man speaks lovingly about his uncle, who is, uh, as we all are, a flawed and failed human being. I'm I'm not going to go into a lot of depth with it, but uh, his uncle is involved in crime, organized crime. But when I wrote the story, I didn't want it to be a stereotypical Italian gangster story. It isn't that at all. It's a story about a family relationship between a nephew and an uncle. An uncle who did a lot of terrible things to other people, probably. But to his nephew, he was loving and gentle and kind and understanding and giving. And uh, I am... uh, about 53% genetically Sicilian. So I have a particular attraction to uh, Sicilian culture and food. And so uh, a good part of the story is the nephew speaking about the food that his uncle would cook for his family and how his love was reflected in the food. Not only his love, 
but also his appreciation for his heritage. Uh, in the story, the nephew and the uncle are both actually Napolita from Na- Naples, uh, culturally. So it's a story of love with open eyes. And uh, through all the editors that I experienced, and, and my love and gratitude goes out to all of them, uh, they all agreed with me that this was the first to be the first story of the 24, that it opens up a world. And, and I'm, I'm very proud, actually, of that particular story. Um, and, and I feel a good deal of emotional a- a- attachment to it. So what was your original writing journey that led you to writing and publishing fiction? Oh, that's a great question. And I'm not sure I can do that justice in a limited <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> but we've given it a okay. shot. How's that? So I'm 66 years old. Um, I was born and raised in New York City, um, Brooklyn, and lived there the first 31 and a half years of my life before I moved to Westchester County, which where I am now in Scarsdale. So I, I had this attachment to New York City, and I do speak about that in the introduction and in, in the subtitle to the book. Uh, Places in New York City, subtitles, memories of survivors. So I'm a survivor of New York. Uh, I like to say that I'm a, a ward of the city of New York. I went to public schools. I went to um, two public high schools, Bronx High School of Science and Tilden High School of Brooklyn. And I went to public college, Baruch College. So New York City um, nurtured me. And uh, for, for which I'm very grateful, obviously, after I'm grateful to my parents. I wanted to be an architect as a child. And I also wanted to be a writer because I'm a voracious reader. And I describe myself as a peripatetic reader. You know that term, um, um, uh, Aristotle's school of learning was <laughs> yeah. called the peripatetics. So they went from one subject to the next. Everything had a connection. And of course, our neural networks are what I've read are like that. They branch, it branches off our neural networks. And so we are peripatetic. And I like to read anything and everything. I, at the moment, as usual, I'm reading five books at one time. And each, each time I sit down to read one of them, it takes me off into another direction. And I found that as I grew and matured, I liked to write. I, I was a, a human resources executive for the German post office and, um, uh, uh, DHL and, and a number of, of large uh, not-for-profit and profitable organizations, Banco Santander in, in Spain. So I had to write every day, but that was business writing. But, you know, writing is writing. And I, just as I have this firm belief that you're the same person, whether you're at home or at work, you people say, well, I'm a different, I'm a different guy at work. No, you're not. You're the same human being. <laughs> and, and writing is writing. And I realized some time ago, that it's a, a skill and it's a blade. And if you don't sharpen that blade, it gets dull. And so every time I sit down to write, could be an email, it could be an essay. Um, I, I, these days I, I write a few essays um, in response to a magazine called The Catholic Thing. It's a pretty conservative Catholic publication. I'm not Catholic, I'm a Baptist, but I'm very intrigued. So every time I sit down to write anything, I want to sharpen. I want to sharpen. And so that is how I've gotten into writing. I uh, retired at the age of 49 and realized that I didn't have anything 
that I like doing for a hobby. And so I became a consultant. And uh, along with being a, a consultant, I started to write a book about management because that's what my life, 49 years, well, 49 years and, and uh, 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 20 of them professionally, uh, or 25 of them professionally, was spent in, in management, human resources. So I wrote a book. It took me 10 years. And I, write, I wrote down everything that I felt and believed about management. And the book sold maybe a dozen copies, <laughs> which is okay because it was really just a vehicle for my, my consulting business to give to my clients. Sure. Uh, and after that, I, I said, gee, this is nice. Maybe I'll try this again. I mean, 10 years exercise. So I took a month and I wrote a second book, which were short stories, uh, riffs on an established character. And uh, after that, and that book did fairly well. After that, I, I took about a year and a half and I researched and wrote a book of essays about the writer Rex Stout. Many people may not, it may not be a familiar name these days, but he created the Nero Wolf character. And, uh, and I've been reading Nero Wolf for, oh, for 55 years. And so I wrote a, a series of essays. That took about a year and a half and that book did fairly well. And in between that, I was writing other stuff. Didn't publish it, kind of looked at it again and said, no, this wouldn't work, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I kept it all and I would go back and look at it. And, and there was a manuscript for a novel that I wrote and uh, a producer looked at it. And if you've ever worked with a producer, you know, they're the flightiest people in the world. Right. So oh, I'm interested. I'm interested. And then you never hear from them again. Yeah. <laughs> but that was okay. That was okay. So I put that aside. And I went back and looked at it and I said, you know, I'm not a great novelist. I'm really not even a great writer. I'm a pretty good one. But what I am is I'm one hell of a storyteller. And uh, this unpublished manuscript was full of stories. So I started extracting those stories and making separate tales and then looking at other stuff and making separate tales of that. And that's how this book, right? The Gathering of Broken Mirrors is indeed a gathering of these broken stories. Uh, that's how this book got written. Just extracting stuff over time that I had written or thought about and putting it together. And the book took me, uh, I think about, uh, with, with editing two and a half years, went through a lot of editing. I was unsure of myself and and I started leaning on editors like a drug to, to get their approval, you know. Right. Uh, but I found an editor who was really wonderful, and he had edited my my third book, and he edited this one, and uh, and he convinced me that uh, I should give this a try, to to put it together and sell it, and so that's how this book came to be. That's great. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Well, you said that you're a voracious reader. What books, either fiction or nonfiction, have you been reading lately that you enjoyed? Oh, boy, that's, there's a question. We could go on for some time. So at the moment, I'll, I'll give you the four or five that I'm reading at the moment. Um, this morning, I picked up a, a, another novel by a writer named Hugh Pentecost. I don't, many people don't even know who he is. So it was a pseudonym for uh, um, a detective fiction writer. Um, and I, I just, I picked him up having been a, a dedicated, being a dedicated reader of Rex Stout and communicating online with other people who are Rex Stout readers. And someone said, well, you should try Hugh Pentecost, the, the Pierre Chambrin uh, stories, which are about Pierre Chambrin, who is the general manager of the best hotel in New York City. So these are written 40 years ago. Right. Uh, uh, but they're, and they're absolutely delightful. So I'm reading, uh, the latest one, I guess he's written 20, he wrote about 21 of these and I've read about 14 of them. So this would be number 15, um, Girl Watches Funeral. Fantastic book, well-read. Story well told. I'm also reading a biography of Norman Rockwell. And and it's, it's just fascinating. And, and the writer, and I, her name doesn't come to mind immediately, but um, she's more of a psychologist than a biographer, and it can be a little annoying at times, distracting, but it's, his life is fascinating. So Norman Rockwell, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm reading, um, uh, finishing up, um, uh, her name is, uh, Edith Wharton. So I'm finishing up another book by Edith Wharton. I adore Edith Wharton. So, uh, I'm finishing up a, a novel by her, uh, at the age of, uh, the age of innocence. Uh, and, uh, gee, who else am I? I'm, I'm back reading some, some, uh, of, uh, Robert Carroll, an enormously, uh, uh entertaining historical biography. Sure. Doesn't always get it right, but <laughs> he writes with such a passion and, and such fullness. So I'm, I've gone back to read some more of the, first five volumes of the life of the life and times of Lyndon Johnson. Yes. Uh, those are and, good books. uh, those are, they're fantastic books and, uh, gee, who else? Um, I'm reading a, a pastiche on, um, the Rex Stout characters by a woman named Susan Lerner. It's called, um, 
Archie Goodwin's office near Wolf speaking. And that's, I think, turning out to be a little bit controversial because people, the readers aren't sure whether uh, Susan Lerner has the okay from the Rexdale estate. And I ran into trouble with the Rexdale estate with my, with my second book uh, and then withdrew it from being sold because I didn't, I admire Rex Stout and I didn't want to run afoul. I thought that I was within the, um, uh, the proper, um, standards of fair use, but I was going to argue that. So now there's this book, uh, by Susan Lerner and it's a page turner. It's so well done. Uh, and I'm hoping she, she sells a hundred thousand copies. It's so good. That's, that's interesting. I was actually going to ask you if you had ever considered writing any Rex Stout pastiche, given your, your mentions and interest in his books. So, so, so I did and, and, and people loved it, but I withdrew the, just drew the book from sale. And, and then I just wrote the essays, which frankly, I like the essay book better than the pastiches. Sure. And uh, I guess, I mean, this would be more for a copyright attorney or, are all of his books still under copyright? I mean, they, they sure are. Oh, they are. Um, okay. And so he's, uh, the best estimate is that over his lifetime and the lifetime of his work, he sold a hundred million copies sure. of Rick, Rick Stout. So his family holds the uh, copyright and they enforce it and bless their souls. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, when you were working on uh, gathering of broken mirrors, I know that you said that you extracted some of the stories from things that you had written. When you sit down to write a story, do you tend to know, do you have an idea or a kernel of an idea in your head? Do you start with an image or does it vary? What's your process? Well, my, the process is one that I have seldom stopped to take a, a, a real look at. But um, I do start out with a thought. And, and usually it's the barest of thoughts. It may be a sentence. Again, peripatetic reading. Sometimes I'll read something that will remind me of something that's happened. And, and I'll say, that would make a great story. Or someone would tell me a story. And, and I always say to people, you know, I'm a sneaky little storyteller. If you tell me this story, I'm going to write it. And people don't seem to mind that, at least so far. So a, a lot of times, it's something I've heard. It's something someone has told me. Um, a good deal of uh, a gathering of broken mirrors is based on incidents and lives and experiences that other people have told me. Uh, and so that's generally the kernel, the little bit. But I'm going to say this, and I found this in, in writing the fictional stuff, that once I get into it, and people may think I'm a little nuts, the characters talk to me. When I sit down in front of the computer, the characters say to me, I don't speak that way. No, I'm going to do this now. No, that's wrong. I, I, I wouldn't be with that person. So. It, it, a good deal of it starts to write itself, which I find somewhat unpleasant at times. <laughs> <laughs> if you can imagine someone always talking to you and, and I'm not certifiably crazy yet. So uh, uh, that's really the process. What happens afterward is I edit. I edit myself. I write. I rewrite. Uh, I realize that whatever I write, it could be a paragraph or it could be a, a story, an essay. I've got to let it sit and marinate for three days after I finish writing it because I'm going to come back and I'm going to make changes. Uh, and then I go to editors and, and I listen to my editors. I don't always agree with them as 
you know, is the case. But uh, I go, I, I listen to what my editors say, and I take a look. Um, I had an editor on this book on the Gathering of Broken Mirrors who said, um, the second story here does is out of place. Now, these are all disconnected short stories, mm -hmm. but the editor was astute enough and, and sympathetic enough to how I wrote to tell me you need to put this story at the end of the book. And darn, if that editor wasn't right. Interesting. Well, are you working on more stories now? I am in that phase where I am collecting stories <laughs> and, and bringing them to mind. And I, I keep a little red journal uh, next to where I write and I'll jot down a sentence or a phrase. Um, oftentimes, and, and I am a pretty faithful guy, I, uh, I attend Christian Bible study. I'm a Baptist, even though I'm fascinated by the Catholic Church. I attend a Bible study every Sunday. And it's just fascinating to me because number one, the Bible's the best collection of stories I've ever read. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's literature. If you, if you're not a believer, but you shouldn't hide yourself from the, from the literary and historical part because the stories are fantastically told. And the, the wording of King James, uh, is, um, sensational. There are ways of expressing ideas that are, and that are in, especially the new Testament of the King James Verge that just knocked me on my feet. I'm, it's, it's as good as reading Edith Wharton or Rex Dowd, both of whom I think are, or, uh, Faulkner, the three of whom I think are the most incredible storytellers I've ever read. Uh, so I do a lot of jotting down ideas and, and maybe I'll come back. That's great. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? Right. Every day of your life. Right. It could be three sentences. It could be six pages. You could throw it all out, but write every single day of your life. And in conjunction with that, read every single day of your life and listen without prejudice, without your own opinion. Just listen to other people every day of your life. Read, write, and listen. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your books? So uh, if they will go to the hashtag BrokenMirrorsNYC, one word, there's my biography, a photograph of me as best as they could get one that's presentable, uh, some of the literary criticism for, the, for my book, which I must say, I'm very pleased has been like 99% positive and a, a sample uh, of, of a chapter is in there. And uh, I also think that I recorded a chapter, not the first chapter that I spoke about previously, but actually this is the second chapter, uh, from the skies is the name of that chapter. I think I recorded that and, and somehow that's going to be uploaded too. That, I think my publisher is going to upload it or. Something like that. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Anthony E. Shaw, author of the new book, A Gathering of Broken Mirrors. The book is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Anthony, thanks for doing this interview. Oh, thank you so much. Great. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.